Matthew 21, if, if you're there, say, Pastor, I'm there. Here we go. Matthew 21 is what's called the triumphal entry, the beginning of the last week of Christ. And when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Now catch this. Here's a, he's saying we're fulfilling prophecy today with this. And he says, this is uh, what was the prophecy that was being filled, Matthew said. And it uh, says, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and sent, set them set him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees, or as we would might consider palms, and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And everyone said, Amen. Jesus coming into Jerusalem was a great celebration. One week later, Jesus going out of Jerusalem was a whole different story. And so in one week, this city turned from Hosanna to the Son of David to crucify Him. How many of you know things can turn around in a hurry, both good and bad? And so they praised Him. In fact, it says in verse 10, And when He had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Thank you for the life of Christ, oh God, and may the life of Christ, and especially the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ come alive for us so we can live for you in a greater way and fashion and be a bigger difference maker in the earth. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Now turn to Isaiah 53, and an interesting insight, you know, uh, there's, there's many, 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 many prophecies. Uh, Matthew referenced one there concerning Jesus and the coming in on the foal of the donkey. And Isaiah 53, <coughs> pardon me, is one of uh, my most favorite Old Testament prophecies concerning the coming of the Lord and the death burial uh, of Jesus Christ. And in fact, these prophecies, most of them were written 750 to 1,000 plus years before Christ ever came. And so you talk about an amazing uh, uh, fulfillment of the prophecies of Jesus Christ from the Old Testament and the New Testament. In fact, though I'm shooting from the hip, uh, uh, I read somewhere sometime the odds of just a few of those being fulfilled are astronomical, but every one of them has been fulfilled. Isaiah 53, who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, everyone say he, that's talking of Jesus, for he shall grow up before him, that is God, as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. All we have like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that is Jesus, the iniquity of us all. That, my friend, is what happened at Calvary. God laid on Jesus. He took the sins of all humanity upon himself. And because of that, God had to turn his back on his own son. Because he, 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 he took upon himself the sins of the whole world. And this morning on Palm Sunday, I want to talk to you about Calvary. I want to talk to you about the day that Jesus died. Not the day the music died, the day Jesus died. Most people know more about the day the music died than the day Jesus died. And it's called Calvary. In fact, I've been there numerous times and have seen what scholars and, and archaeologists believe to be the, the very place where Christ paid for the sins of all humanity. Golgotha, the place of the skull. And there you can see and you can experience in your own heart as you think about what he did for you. The great benefit of Calvary. And so I want to talk about Calvary today. Uh, and I want to show you some things from Isaiah 53 that you and I need to embrace this morning. The first one is this. It's the plan of Calvary. You know, God had a plan. Somebody say, God had a plan. You see, when sin entered the world, God had conspired. In fact, the Bible says, from the foundation of the world, God had a plan. And when you read Isaiah 53 and you read the detail of the, of the death, burial, and the resurrection, or really the death and the, the burial of Jesus Christ, the pain, the Golgotha experience, you realize something that God, you know, thousand years before Christ ever came to planet earth, God had a plan. Somebody say God has a plan. You see, God's not looking down, twiddling his thumbs or trying to figure this mess out. Did you know God's not concerned as much about politics as we seem to be? God's not as concerned about the gas prices going up and down and left and right and economy going this way or that way. God has a plan. And the Calvary experience that Jesus experienced for us lined up with that plan of God. And you can see it here as we look in this passage of Scripture and throughout... <coughs> Pardon me. The entire Old Testament, the plan of God unfolding. In fact, uh, God instituted things uh, in the law uh, that uh, revealed they were types and shadows of the plan. Here's a great type and a shadow. When you look in Genesis 22, uh, you remember the story of Abraham and Isaac. You remember what God told uh, Abraham to do with his son Isaac? What did he do? He said, I'm take, it, take him to the top of the hill and do what? sacrifice and build an altar and sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac, on the altar. Remember the story? And so there uh, on the mountain, uh, God uh, uh, instructed him. And the Bible says that as Abraham lifted his knife to slay his son, Isaac, that God stopped him uh, and said, stop and wait. I have provided an alternative for this. And he looked up and behold, in the bush was a ram with his horns caught in the bush. I'm telling you, my friend, that's a picture of what Christ did for us. He took our place. Somebody say amen. God had a plan. Calvary was God's plan. 
to bring humanity to pay the price for the sins of all humanity. God had a plan all along. Somebody say it. (coughs) God had a plan. You and I need to realize that, that God, when he looked down upon us, when he, he, his plan was for you. His plan is for you to be born again. His plan is for you to go to heaven. His plan for you and your family is to experience the benefit of what Christ has given us on Calvary's cross. God has a plan. Amen. I love what John 1.29 says. What did John the Revelator say? John, not John the Revelator, John the Baptist when he, he was baptizing. You know, John the Baptist was a character. What did he do? The Bible says he was clothed in what? Camel's skin and he ate wild, what? Wild locusts and honey. <sighs> Nothing better than a little locust and honey in the morning. And he was a prophetic type and he was edgy and he's baptizing cost him his life, by the way. I love what my friend Pastor Ron says. God has a plan. Everyone say, God has a plan. And he will succeed, even if it cost him your life. John the Baptist understood that well. And John the Baptist is baptizing. And behold, here comes Jesus. And he looks up and John the, the, the Baptist looks up and he says, behold. Now catch this. Here's the plan. John the Baptist knew the plan. Behold, the Lamb of God. Uh Uh-oh, there's that sacrificial lamb again. The Lamb of God who does what? He takes away the sins of the world. You see, Calvary was God's plan. God had a plan all along. The plan of God was for Jesus to come and pay a great price so you and I could be born again and come back into fellowship with Him. And that's what we need to realize. The same plan of God, listen carefully, that that ushered us into the family of faith is the same plan that will usher your friends and family into the faith, especially next Sunday morning when they come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and hear the plan of God unfolding. and, and, And next Sunday, we'll move beyond on the cross and we'll get to the empty tomb for goodness sake where up from the grave he arose and your friends and family because God has a plan can experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and be lifed by God where God breathes life into their spirit man and they're raised to walk in newness of life you see Calvary was the plan of God for all the sins of all humanity. Number two, not only did Calvary have a great plan, and I'm telling you, Isaiah revealed the great plan of Calvary, but number two, we need to understand this about Calvary. It's the pain of Calvary. Calvary had great pain. And sometimes we seem to eclipse ourselves from the pain that was, was uh, uh, released, if you will, the physical pain, the spiritual pain. The emotional pain, the torment that was unleashed on Jesus says he is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. (coughs) We hid as it were our faces from him. We did not esteem him. Surely, listen, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And by His stripes, we're healed. Calvary has pain.
Calvary had pain. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him. By his stripes, we are healed. What a great picture we see of that in Isaiah 53. And number three, when we see that, we also come to the thought that not only does Calvary have a great plan, and it's the great plan of redemption for all humanity, and that the, the, the pain was so real for us. But number three, we need to embrace the reality of the price of Calvary. Isaiah 53 reveals the great price that he paid. And in fact, it's the shedding of blood. And here's what you and I need to realize And you look in the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament. The, in fact, the Bible says uh, concerning uh, the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So Jesus had to die. Jesus had to pay a great price with His blood. I love what 1 Peter chapter 1 says. I want to read it for you today. If you don't have this kind of marked in your Bible and don't have it marked on the tablet of your heart, it would be good for you to do so. First Peter chapter 1 talks about the redemption of God in our life. He says in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with the corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by the traditions of your fathers, but you're redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world. There's the plan. But who was manifest in these last times for you, who we, we, pardon me, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You see what you saw by video presentation. That's not the end of the story. The end of the story, as we'll see next week, is that though he died, he rose again so you and I could have new life. Somebody say amen. And so the price of Calvary is great. His blood was shed for us and shed for our family and our friends. I love the old hymn. And if you don't read, if you don't uh, uh, know the hymns of the church, you might want to go back and get some. The old hymn, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Isaiah said that, uh, he, he said this in chapter one of Isaiah. He said, though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. So, so here on Palm Sunday, we need to embrace the, the great plan of Calvary. We also need to embrace the great pain of Calvary and be thankful for what he's done for us on the cross and embrace the price he paid his bloodshed so we could be born again. But the good news is, there's great power in Calvary. Somebody say amen. Isaiah 53 reveals the great power of Calvary. Isaiah 53 says uh, that He took care of our sin problem in our own life. That, that He was wounded for our transgressions. He, he did that so we could deal with the sin problem. In fact, the Bible says where our sins have 
separated us. In fact, Isaiah says, all we like sheep have gone astray and every one of us have turned to our own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. The power of cross, the power of the blood of Jesus is the reality that it brings us back into right standing with God. You see, because of Calvary, sins can be washed white as snow. Somebody say hallelujah. That's on, that's the only way that happens. How many of you know you can't get good, be good enough to get to God? On our best day, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Because of Calvary, sins can be washed white as snow. Because of Calvary, our sorrows can be turned into a peace that passes all understanding. He was chastisement. The chastisement was on him that was necessary to obtain our peace and right standing with God. Sicknesses can be healed because of Calvary. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement that was needed to obtain our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. There's power in the cross. There's power in Calvary. And because of Calvary, not only our sicknesses can be healed, but our souls can be saved and we can experience the eternal life that only Christ can give us. There's power in the cross. Not only do we have healing and, 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 and liberty and peace and joy, but I love this. Satan is defeated because of the cross. Because of the blood of Jesus. In fact, I love Revelation. It's a de- declaration of the end. And it's not a future. That this will happen. Revelation 12, 11 says this. And they, it's speaking of us, future tense. It's speaking of the church, future tense. This is our future. You want to know your future as the church of the living God? Let me tell you something. The church is not going down. The church is not going south. The church is going up one day. And I'm telling you, we're not going to sit around here and dribble out and drop off. I'm telling you, it's what it says about us. And they overcame him that is the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. I'm telling you, I've read the book. I've read the end and I'm telling you something. We win. There's power in the cross. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And the Bible says in Revelation, because of the cross, one day our savior will return on a white horse. Wearing a white robe dipped in blood. And on his thigh is written these words, King of kings and Lord of lords. It's because of the cross. When I was a young boy, just getting born again, Christian music was just being introduced in a new way. There was a young black man by the name of Andre Crouch. How many of you ever heard of Andre Crouch? At the age of 14, Andre's in heaven today, by the way, but at the age of 14, he wrote a song that says the blood that Jesus shed for me. Way back on Calvary, the blood that Jesus shed Way back on Calvary, he said it will never, ever lose its power. The blood, somebody say the blood, will never lose its power. Somebody say it, the blood 
will never lose its power. Amen. for the blood.
Come on, let's give Jesus in the blood of the Lamb a great big praise. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Calvary. Without Calvary, we'd be all, most men, miserable. Today, we embrace the price. We embrace the pain. We embrace the plan. We embrace the power of Calvary. Today, because of Calvary, you're here. Today, because of Calvary, you can be victorious. Let's bow our heads today before we go. I know I've shared the gospel already with you today, but let me just go at it one more time. If you're here today, you've never really experienced the power of the blood of Jesus washing you white as snow. This is your moment of opportunity. Father, today, we thank You for the blood that was shed the price that was paid, the pain that was inflicted, but the great power that was revealed to heal us, to help us, to forgive us, to redeem us from our sin. If you're here today and you need to be born again one more time, I'll be happy to pray for you. Just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I never really knew what Jesus did for me. But today I believe it, that He not only died for me, but that He rose again. Anyone? Father, today we thank You. May this week we embrace the pain, the price, the purpose, and the power of Calvary in our lives. Let us be living testimonies that the blood will never lose its power. That it reaches to the highest mountain and flows to the lowest valley. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen.